Good ideas are like red wine. They need time in the cellar for refinement. Here's where I keep mine. Welcome to 55 Degrees. Today is the third episode of sharing my thoughts about dreams and visions and the role they can play in understanding ourselves and how to interact with the broader hidden world that surrounds us in the realm of intuition and subconscious. This is an odd topic that I have chosen to take on at this point because I don't believe I'm alone here. There's so much strangeness in the teaching surrounding the experience of dreams and visions that Sometimes the only option seems to be all in or all out. I hear people describe their experience and is so far off from mine. I'm either left feeling they're crazy or I'll be seen as crazy if I associate with anything in that direction. But I don't think it has to be weird or crazy. Dreams are a natural part of our biology. This mechanism was designed by the wisdom of our creator Human consciousness is such a complex system, and dreams are a way that God has made provision for the body to process some of that complexity. Some people say they have no dreams, but I think what they're really saying is they don't remember them, because research shows that brain activity is always moving during sleep. We're going through memories and experiences multiple times a night, and it's not certain why some don't remember their dreams, but some think it's because they're just forgettable. Like having a dream about being in the checkout line at the grocery store, forgetting, uh, realizing you you forgot the milk, is on a very different scale than being tied up and thrown into the trunk of a car and being driven several hours to be interrogated. The former is banal. The latter is traumatic, thus more likely to remember. I've been sharing about my admiration for Daniel as a prophet and a dreamer. His dreams were traumatic. And as they outlined a tremendous amount of power struggle among world leaders and the pain and suffering that would be experienced by so many. One of the things I admire about Daniel is his wisdom to know what to do with the dream and the visions that were given to him. I believe the dream is first for the dreamer. It might be a message for someone else for another time, but it first comes to the one who dreams as a part of a process in allowing that dream to shape the dreamer. And I won't go into it here, but the story of Joseph is proof of this. He had a dream as a young man and went through a life of suffering and hardship long before that dream was in full fruition. And with Daniel, it is said of his dreams and visions. In chapter 8, verse 26, The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. All the things Daniel experienced in his dreams and visions were for another time, and so he sealed them up and waited for that right time. The dream is first for the dreamer. And this brings me to a vision I had almost 20 years ago, and I've sealed this up for these 20 years and have never spoken publicly about it until now. I want to share it with you to show you how I allow 
a vision to shape me personally years before I ever step into it and see it manifested publicly. It was a damp night of May 2000. I was sitting outside on my patio like I've done so many nights over the years. My only company was the moon and all the sounds of the insects and critters that wake up and sing their song and begin their nocturnal work at that time of night. I was in a season of life where I had a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. It's in my personality to be privately reflective, and I've always been comfortable with silence as it provides me with a forum to think. I don't like to process thoughts or emotions out loud. Give me space, a fountain pen, a moleskin, and I have what I need for the next few hours. Eventually, my wife came outside and made an appeal for me to come to bed. She hated going to bed by herself, and her disdain was exacerbated by the fact that I hated lying in bed and not being able to sleep. I relented and left my outdoor sanctuary. After the ritual of brushing teeth and storing away contact lenses into their plastic case, I crawled into my side of the bed after I could feel the twitching legs that indicated she has entered into the first phase of sleep. I pulled out the CD player and headphones I kept in the drawer of the nightstand. The disc that was already in the player was titled The Road to One Day. It was the music from a festival I attended with the college students with whom I was working at the time. I pushed play and settled into my pillow and stared at the ceiling. Track 7 eventually hit the queue. And the night got interesting. The song is Holy Visitation, a song about the longing for awakening. I wasn't really paying attention to the music, but these words changed that. Sound the alarm, awaken the watchmen, open their ears, let their voices be loud. And as soon as those words were sung, I heard a voice in the darkness of my bedroom. You are the watchmen. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was clear and it was obvious. God was speaking and he was ready to talk at 11.30 p.m. that night. I've had enough of these experiences to know that I cannot ignore them and I must take them seriously. It's my experience that when God wants to get our attention, he often uses means that defy rational description. Faith isn't always logical. And I knew instinctively that this was one of those times. So I took the headphones off, returned the CD player to the drawer. I pulled on some shorts, a sweatshirt, and laced up my running shoes and left my bedroom and started out for a walk in my neighborhood just around midnight. My street was unusually quiet that night. The heavy humidity in the air dampened the ambient sounds of the few cars that were on the main road a few blocks away. As I walked... I asked for insight on that phrase, you are the watchman. And the exchange that occurred altered my life to this day. The spirit impressed on me. Look around. What do you see? Well, I said, it's dark, damp, and I'm the only one out wandering around in this place. What came next was vivid and still etched into my mind. And I wrote it down as best as I could remember. He said, the night is the realm of the watchman. It's the time of day where he does his work. 
The watchman is awake when everyone else is asleep. They are resting. They are supposed to be sleeping, but the watchman does not have that option. The watchman is tasked with being alert when everyone else is at rest. The only ones that move in the night are watchmen and evil men. The watchman is a protector, a guard in the night. He watches for forces that might harm his people. He must stay alert at all times on his watch. If something comes and he isn't aware, the watchman has failed his post. But it's not enough for the watchman to watch and be alert. He must also have the ability to awaken awaken others when the time comes so they too can be ready to take action against the threat. Now, I don't know how long I walked around in my neighborhood. I would guess probably an hour or so. And as I did, I kept replaying this vision of the watchman in my mind. What does this mean for me? I made a big loop through my neighborhood and returned home and recorded this experience in my journal and went back to bed. The next day, I was in a little daze, wondering what that was last night. But I had learned by then to know that the dream is for the dreamer and I should take it seriously. A week or so later, I shared the vision with three of my good friends over lunch and I got a response that I was not expecting. Each guy affirmed the vision. Shin, that's exactly who we know you to be. You are always thinking ahead. Your mind is always on the future. I think you're on to something here. Okay. I saw it. They see it. Now what? And like Daniel, I sealed up the vision for a later time. That doesn't mean I ignored it. Over the years, I learned to keep the vision in front of me and let it shape me. I would share it with a few more trusted friends so they could hold on to it with me. And over time, I started seeing how this was manifested in my life and relationships. I started by referring to myself as watchman to my close friends, and they picked up on that. So now to them, I'm watchman. Names are very important to me. What we call something will help define it. If I call myself stupid, I'm going to embrace that title. So why not sign off my email or letters with Watchmen? I took the Gallup Strengths Finder test several years ago and discovered that one of my top three strengths was Futurist. For those who are unfamiliar, this is an assessment tool that helps a person identify the direction they are bent and then how to help them move into a position of work and contribution that maximizes those strengths. As one with Futurist as a strength, my coach said, this is a more rare strength and you'll probably be the only one in a group of 50. This affirmed the the vision of being awake and alone at night while everyone else is asleep. They're supposed to be asleep. Everyone doesn't need to be a watchman. They need only be a few. And if they are faithful and true to their gifting. As an intuitive person, I get inner promptings on a regular basis. I can't explain how or why other than the name of a person pops into my mind for no apparent reason. But experience tells me not to ignore the prompting and be curious and explore it. I start by asking the spirit if this is a person for which he wants me to stand watch. What do they need? What are they going through? How can I engage? Why have they come to mind? And I would say most of the time I don't have clarity in the situation. I pray for that person and most of the time they never return to my mind. But on a few occasions... A name comes to mind, and I know that I am to stay with that person and keep watch for a season. 
I currently have three men who are in leadership that I watch over constantly. I send them each a text every Sunday morning, letting them know the nature of what I'm praying for them. I do it first thing that day. It is a delight to do this. And this is how the vision has continued to demonstrate itself. If I am the watchman, where and how am I standing watch? For whom am I standing watch? The vision guides my experience and process. Since being inducted into life as a widower, my world has obviously changed. And with that, I've changed the plans and the assumptions that go along with being married. Suddenly, I'm no longer encumbered to a partner and her needs. I am unmoored, which can feel like a scary thing, being set adrift, or I can be set free, depending on how I look at it. I've chosen to frame it positively. How does the vision inform my new circumstances? How does the watchman look at his future now as a widower? What does he see? A watchman is always looking for anything coming his way. This observation first affects him and ultimately will impact his people that he's watching over. My recent writing has taken on more of this identity. I write about what I am seeing now from my, adva- from my vantage point here today. I can go back and see that it started on my blog in November as a point of view of my grief. I've chosen to be open about my journey and loss while I'm in the midst of it and choose not to wait to write after the fact. I am the watchman. I have to speak. It's not enough to stand and look. My writing shifted into poetry and prose after coming back from Ireland in March. The watchman saw something on the Emerald Isle. I saw the beauty of Irish poetry and something woke up inside me. And I became compelled to learn to speak that language. In this way, the poetry served as the watchman and it told me to wake up. It is because of this 20-year-old vision that I am ready to speak openly about my dreams and visions. It's time to awaken some to what is inside them by calling out what I've been seeing. Watchmen, what do you see coming toward us? What some would deem a threat, I see an opportunity. What some would see as a time of upheaval, I see a new beginning. And this is why I have new resolve to write. I want to help people to see what I see. A quality of a watchman above having a keen sense of vision is the possession of patience. If the dream is first for the dreamer, how do I let it shape my sense of patience? As I would experience difficulty over the years, especially the 10-year-long bout with my late wife's cancer, I would call on this image of watchmen over and over and over again to point me toward patient responses in these trying and lonely times. And now that I live alone, I take note that the watchman also watches alone in the dark. I hope this helps give you a framework to consider your own dreams and visions. I received this over 20 years ago. Time has served to prove it true in my life, and I believe it will continue to play itself out in the days ahead. I'm convinced of it because I have 20 years of holding it close and letting it shape me deeply first. I believe the fruit of this 20-year waiting is about to bear. Now is the time for people who have had similar dreams and visions to, by faith, 
take them seriously and allow the Spirit to speak personally and intimately to you. My voice will serve as an affirmation to what you already know and are experiencing in your own heart. I'm here to say you're not crazy. This is real. Somebody is trying to get your attention. In the next episode, I'll share a few more of the key dreams and visions that I've had, including one that I don't have an answer or an interpretation for. So if this resonates with you, I would encourage you to do the same. Take them seriously. The dream is for the dreamer. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.